This is Neil Erwitz at the Center for a New American Security. We're here today to talk about a new report that CNAS uh, wrote in conjunction with a number of experts from the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace, and we are lucky to have uh, two of those authors here. We have uh, Kareem Sajapur from Carnegie, and we have Alan Goldenberg from CNAS, and the report is called Contain, Enforce, and Engage, an Integrated U.S. Strategy to Address Iran's Nuclear and Regional Challenges. So, Kareem, let me start with you. Uh, why is it so important that we both uh, use coercion and engagement to work with uh, Iran and address the challenges Iran poses? Well, what we've observed over the last four decades dealing with Iran is that in the few instances in which it's historically compromised, it's been when it faces international unity and it's divided at home. And this was what we saw in the 2015 nuclear agreement that was uh, a pretty wide international coalition, included the United States, European partners, uh, China, Russia, all of whom wanted to prevent a nuclear-armed Iran and signed up to pretty onerous economic sanctions. And that was coupled with very rigorous U.S.-led diplomacy. And that combination of coercion and engagement is oftentimes thought of as contradictory but in reality, they're complementary policies. And I think had it not been for the economic coercion, uh, Iran wouldn't have likely come to the nuclear negotiating table. So almost a carrot in a stick. Exactly. Um, Alon, speaking of the sticks, can I ask you to delve into a number of the coercive measures that the report recommends? Sure. Thanks, Neil. And I think to, to start with, the coercive measures really are focused, as well as the engagement measures, focused to a great extent uh, on Iran's regional behavior and how we deal with these problems outside of the nuclear agreement itself. Like its funding of terrorism and the like. Exactly. Support for various militia groups, ballistic missiles, uh, all these things that are not covered by the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, the Iran nuclear agreement. So on the coercive side, a lot of the focus is on what Iran is doing in the region. So we think about this in a few different ways. Uh, overall, uh, Iran's uh, IRGC Quds Force, which is the paramilitary force which... Uh, then uh, supports these various militias across the region in a very destabilizing way. More sanctions on, on the Quds Force, more sanctions on Hezbollah, uh, even some direct covert military actions against these uh, entities combined with a firm message to the Iranians of watch out, you're going too far. Uh, has tr you're about to get yourself into a conflict with the United States. Has traditionally been in my view, pretty effective, and doing more of that. And then also some specific steps in Syria, uh, Iraq, and Yemen. In Syria, you know, Iran is going to be in Syria long-term. Assad is pretty much one, but you can at least try to prevent Iran from having a beachhead uh, on the Golan Heights threatening Israel and Jordan. Uh, you can try to prevent Iran from having all these lines of communication in the middle of uh in the middle of Syria, which and on the border between Syria and Iraq, which allow it to move forces across the entire region. Uh, in Iraq, you can have American forces play a more significant role to create political leverage, so then you can negotiate and compete with Iran. Um, and then there's also some steps in Yemen along the lines of trying to ensure you keep uh, the narrow straits the, called the Bab al-Mandeb, which is right off the border with Yemen and is a key commercial uh, straight and area of water uh, through which a lot of commerce flows. So these are a whole bunch of the steps. There's more in the report, but together all of them uh, are meant to push back on some of Iran's problematic behavior. 
Oh, Kareem, let me ask you to play the good cop then. Um, what would the engagement steps be and what do you lay out in the report? Well, I'll tell you one of the challenges in dealing with Iran is that what we think of oftentimes as carrots aren't necessarily perceived as carrots by the Iranian regime. I'll give you an example. Uh, oftentimes what's been talked about as a carrot in the U.S. context is to offer Iran accession to the World Trade Organization. Now, if you're the Revolutionary Guards and you have a very strong economic mafia in Iran, you don't necessarily want to be more transparent and jump through all the various hoops needed to join the World Trade Organization. John Gotti was well known for his uh, uh, openness to the press. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so, uh, so these aren't, um, you know, it's not, there's no, there's no silver bullets here when it comes to engagement. I think broadly we speaking, we advocate a willingness to directly dialogue with the Iranian government. And not even that is very straightforward because one of the historic challenges we've had in our dealings with the Iranian government is that Iran's most powerful officials are inaccessible and its most accessible officials aren't necessarily that powerful. So we have to talk to the officials that the Iranian regime presents, which is basically the Iranian foreign minister. In some cases, there's interaction um, indirectly with the office of the Iranian president. Um, but I think in the regional context, there are certain things that Iran wants in Syria and uh, Yemen when it comes to Persian Gulf security. Um, and it will be a very vigorous debate whether those are things that the United States could even provide them if we wanted to or whether we're capable of providing them. Um, and when it comes to some of Iran's domestic practices, which we take umbrage to, you know, domestic repression, human rights abuses, I think there's very little in terms of constructive engagement because Tehran is not going to change its domestic behavior because of, of you know, things that the United States says to it. So, so we should have no illusions that the, 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 the idea of engaging Iran is necessarily going to be a friendly discussion, but I think as the 2015 nuclear agreement proved, that combination of uh, pretty, ex pretty significant uh, uh, pressure uh, coupled with rigorous diplomacy uh, has achieved results in the past. So let me uh, piggyback off of that then. Why is what you're laying out here, this kind of joint integrated approach, better than what we've been trying for the last, you know, 40-something years? Sure. Um, well, I think it's better because in some ways, it's as Kareem said, it's the only thing that has actually worked. We've never done it across the board on all issues. There's been moments when we've tried this approach, uh, and the nuclear agreement being the most significant recent example. Uh, but, you know, when we don't try this approach, uh, we, when we do only pressure, we find that we end up in a confrontation with the Iranians. And when we do only engagement, it turns out, which is rare, I'm not even, it's hard, it's hard, hard pressed to find moments where we've solely stuck to engagement. But there have been a couple, uh, you find that the Iranians aren't really ready to make any kind of major concessions on issues that we care about. The other thing I'll just say that's important about this report is it's actually, I think, still compatible with 
uh, a lot of the things the Trump administration is arguing for in terms of what they've done in the last few weeks. And if anything, I'd argue some of our coercive steps, especially in the region, are tougher than the things the president announced during uh, his speech when he announced that he was not going to certify to Congress that Iran was abiding by the nuclear agreement. Uh, it, you know, I, they, there was a lot of tough talk in that speech, but there weren't a lot of substantive policy steps. And so I think what we're offering here is also a roadmap for the administration and also for Congress, which is currently deliberating uh, how to respond uh, to the administration's move. Uh, you know, a whole bunch of steps that can be put into law or can be executed by the executive uh, to have a smarter policy on Iran while not necessarily walking away from the nuclear agreement. So the coercive section is the bite behind the bark, as it were. Exactly, because we've seen a lot of bark, but to be honest with you, we've seen very little bite thus far. So if I, just building on what Ilan said, if I had to write a three or four sentence speech for President Trump on this issue, I'd say, you know, he should go to our European partners, to China and Russia, and say, listen, I don't like this nuclear deal, but I'm willing to respect it. I'm willing to adhere to it. Only if you guys do much more to help us counter Iran's malign activities in the Middle East and to, in the case of the Europeans, uh, be much more uh, uh, supportive of, of human rights, uh, countering human rights abuses in Iran and, and, and supporting Iranian civil society. It's basically taking Trump's dislike of the deal and leveraging that to get our partners to do more in the regional context. And, you know, going back to what Ilan said earlier of, you know, when that coercion on its own doesn't work and engagement on its own doesn't work. After the nuclear deal was reached, there was a hope in the Obama administration that we could take that goodwill built on the nuclear file and apply it to regional issues. But the reality was that there was very little pressure that was brought to bear on Iran in the regional context. We never said to Iran, you know, we're going to really rally a global coalition to sanction you because of your complicity in Syria's humanitarian catastrophe. And, and uh, that will be a heavy lift because in contrast to the nuclear issue, they have Russian support in Syria. Um, but again, it's just kind of leveraging the concerns of our partners who are worried that we're going to walk away from this deal and say, we'll stick with the deal if you do more to help us in these other realms. Terrific. Well, thanks, guys, for both writing the report and for coming in to talk with us about it. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you.